Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Offer ends 8-16-18 after 131-2020. Pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a pay. One Hulu limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint account. MHS reduced to 3G speed after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. Subject to credit and three activation fee. Video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. Hey guys, Kevin coming to you with another episode of the Finsider Podcast. A little weird tonight because it is on Saturday instead of on its normal Friday night. Uh, it's basically because the Finsider was having issues over the last couple of days. It seemed to all be worked out, so we're back up and running. Um, nobody seems to have had any issues today getting on the site or posting comments. So we're doing the Finsider podcast on Saturday night instead of Friday night tonight. Uh, get us ready for the Bills game tomorrow. Big game. Need, need a win there. And uh, keep the pressure up on Baltimore and Cincinnati. Uh, and hopefully went out and end up in the playoffs. Uh, joined right now with James. How are you tonight, James? I'm good. How are you, Kevin? 
I am uh, doing okay. And Duke is on the line, too. Duke, how are you? I'm hanging in there, man. Good. Apparently, uh, everybody seems to be doing better than Joe Montaigne's boy is doing in uh, Tulane right now. Just threw a pick six, and Tulane is getting beaten by Louisiana Lafayette in the RNL Carrier Bowl or New Orleans Bowl or whatever bowl this is. Um, just wanted to throw the Joe Montaigne reference out there. That basically was the whole point of that segment of the show right there. Um, obviously, this is a big weekend for the Dolphins. A lot going on. A lot of a lot of playoff implications involved, both with their game against the Bills and then spread out across the AFC. I think it's it's something like of the. 13 or of the 16 NFL games, 13 of them have playoff implications or something ridiculous like that. Um, the fact that we're this late into the season and only one division has been decided, that, that says something about what the where the NFL is. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, it makes things more competitive. But you can also argue that there's no great teams this year. I think Seattle's probably the closest. San Francisco's up there. Uh, Denver is hit or miss. Um, they seem like a great team, and then they'll have just a bad game. So those are probably your top three. But after that, it seems like anybody can beat anybody just about any given Sunday. And that's probably what the league wants. But it, do, it does make everything interesting at this time. But it's kind of odd to not have division winners decided by now. And even even Denver. I mean, Denver's 11 and three, and can't wrap up their division because Kansas City's 11 and three too. So, a little strange, a little odd, but it keeps the Dolphins in the playoff race and in control of their own destiny. So, not that and, I'm uh, I think, at all. And oddly enough, the division that has been clinched is probably the weakest division in football. Yes, yes, Indianapolis clinching the AFC South just basically running away and hiding in that one as everybody else falls apart. I mean, Houston was supposed to be the challenger for it, and they went 2-0 and and then lost their next 12. So, well, it's not so good. I think, I think the NFL likes this because you take a team like Miami, we've, we've got, you know, a so-so record, obvious glaring weaknesses, but we all think, hey, if we get in, we can make some hay in the playoffs. Yep. Whereas – there were years years past where a team like we have now, you'd be like, no, we're not getting past this team. We're not getting past that team. I don't know that right. there's a team in the FC we can't beat on on the right weekend. Yeah, I think I think if this were the NFC, I think that we'd have bigger issues looking forward to playoff matchups. But in the AFC, I mean, other than Denver and maybe having to go into Arrowhead, then. I don't think – I mean, look at who we're going to match up. Indy, I think we can beat Indy. Cincy, pretty sure we can beat Cincy. The Patriots, pretty sure we can beat the Patriots. So, I mean, there's three of the six teams, assuming that Miami is the fourth, then all you have left is Kansas City and Denver. So, you're looking at a bunch of teams the Dolphins have already beat this year, or if you put Baltimore in there – played really well and probably should have beaten them. So it's a it's a interesting mix for the Dolphins. Who I mean, I don't want I don't even at this point want to say they're in the playoffs because they're not. They still have work to do. They still have to get out there and do it. 
But should they get in the playoffs, they, you could very well argue they can make a deep run because there's nobody out there other than Denver and maybe going into Arrowhead should really scare them. Sorry, throat got dry there. Had to take a drink. <laughs> You're so professional. We are. We are. We're very professional. We uh, we 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 set ourselves up well. <laughs> but we did have a question in the live thread early on, so I'll go ahead and throw that out there, and then we'll talk more playoff stuff. But. Um, now, where is it? Okay, what are the chances of Lamar Miller gashing the Bills? I. This comes from Lord Ellerby Wheeler Wallace. Um, it, it, it's 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 the same as every week for the Dolphins. Absolutely, he could. They have a outstanding front four. They get after the quarterback very well. The Dolphins could very easily run on them, but at the same time, the Dolphins could very easily decide that they don't want to hand off the ball at all. So I, I don't know. I don't know how you predict what will happen with any ground game from the Dolphins any week at all. Well, if this was the if there was ever a week to commit to the running game, it's this week because right. there are two ways to handle a pass rush. One is to block them, which given our offensive line, I don't know if that's going to happen a lot. Um, they're going to generate. They're going to give up pressure. The other way is to run a lot to. to you know, keep the pass rushers honest. They can't come after your quarterback if they're running at you. So, um, with now, the question is whether or not Lamar Miller actually gashes the Bills. depends on a lot. And I think it sounds so strange to say this, but if, if Daniel Thomas cannot play, I think that hurts us a little bit. And because... In the past few games and throughout the season, he's been a guy that has been, even though he's not necessarily gotten a lot of yards per carry, he's been a tough guy to bring down. And that's the kind of guy you want to run later in the game when the defense is kind of gassed. If you have a lead, that's the kind of guy that you want. That's a linebacker who's been out there, you know, too long and he's getting he's getting winded and the defensive tackles are getting winded. You don't want to see him running at you guy like Lamar Miller is not like that. Um, so I, I think that could – I think missing him could play some part of a factor. But um, And it also he's – he's the best pass-protecting back that we have. So that hurts as well. But, yeah, I mean, I think they need to commit to the run. Not not so much to the fact that they do it in lieu of everything else. They just – they can't do like they've done before and just – you know, uh, we've ran the ball a few times. This is past now. It's you're right. It's going to be how much do they, how much do they commit to it? Um, how, how much, how much do they stay committed after struggling? Because yeah, the first time that Lamar Miller gets a negative two yard loss is at the end of the running game for the game for the rest of the contest. I, I don't know. And the Bills are not exactly uh, a good run defense, I don't believe. Um, I don't have their stats pulled up in front of them, but I believe they're in, lower in the league in terms of run defense. They're somewhere equivalent to what Miami's run defense is, which is kind of scary because 
I think they're a better rushing offense than Miami, so that's kind of frightening. But um, uh, I don't think that they are. Uh, I don't think it's going to be impossible to run on them. I don't either. I really don't. I think that uh, they get Miami out of the back really well, but Miami is a twenty-second in the league, and Buffalo is twenty-sixth in the league. Yeah, I think that you can run on them and. I also look at that. Everybody likes to throw that number out there, and I've used it too. I use it almost every week when I do the um, position-by-position breakdowns whenever I do those. But you also have to take into account that includes things like a two-yard rushing performance and stuff like that. So the Dolphins, if they commit to the run and they run multiple times, they actually run well. give me defense. Oh, I'm sorry. That was defense. Okay. Yeah, so the Bills are actually worse than Miami at run defense. So right. the okay. opportunities will be there for Miami to run. Um, and, and you know, that open, that'll open this game up a little bit because if they are expecting to tee off on us um, in the passing game, then being able to run on them, getting first downs, and I, and I – I know this game was at Miami, but if, if you go back to the, the, the Bills game last year where we opened up the first, uh, I think it was the first couple of drives, where we just ran the ball down their throats. Um, just ran, just ran, just ran. And they couldn't stop us. That's what we need to, that's what we need to do uh, tomorrow is just, just continue to run the ball down their throats. If we can do that, then they're going to start crowding the line, opening up stuff for the uh, receivers, or, um, you know, they're just going to they're going to try to the, the pass rush is going to slow down a little bit and it's going to open up chances for Tannehill to 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 air it out a little bit. So, I think uh, the one thing that oh I just messed up my computer. Uh, okay, sorry. Um, I think the one thing that may work in Miami's favor is the fact that the weather's going to cooperate with us tomorrow. Looking at the forecast right now, it's going to be 39, 40 degrees. Um, it's going to be humid, but during the three hours that the game should go, it's only going to be cloudy. The rain will stop, leave a hole in there, and then after the game, the rain should come back. But there's no snow. It's not freaking 12 degrees with 25-mile-an-hour winds does have, let's see, 10-mile-an-hour uh, wind at that point. During the game, it should be 9, 10-mile-an-hour wind. So somehow, if this holds true, the Dolphins' cold-weather games this year with Pittsburgh and Buffalo won't be that bad. I mean, hopefully that will help out. Um, it's, a, it's a turf field. It's not a grass field. So that will help out a little bit with the rain and everything. It shouldn't be as bad as pulling up chunks of Sunlight Stadium. So Yeah, which, which makes a difference because, you know, you look at what, what they had to deal with in Pittsburgh, and that's, you know, it was talked about before the game about how terrible that field is in bad condition. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, having having a different field, a better field will, uh, will be, you know, will be a lot better. I think wasn't it a couple of years ago when uh, Reggie Bush ran for like 200 plus yards on him in the snow? Yes. Yep. Yes. So let's let's hope we have another uh, another one of those top games. 
And, and personally, I think the best way to slow down the pass rush in this game will be to get out to a, uh, a huge lead, and then we can just sit back and run the rest of the game. That's kind of what I hope happens. Um, I hope it happens every game, and it hasn't happened yet. Um, I mean, even, even the Jets game, which is the biggest blowout we've had, didn't happen until the second half, although, you know, watching that offense, you kind of knew in the first half, like, yeah, the Jets aren't going to do anything. But I would like to see us get out, and I think it's actually mentioned on the Dolphins' website, I'd like to see us actually get out to a double-digit lead early in this game. I mean, I, I, and, and I know that's asking a lot from this offense, but if we could, if we could leave the first quarter, you know, 14 nothing or 21 nothing, I think I think at that point Buffalo would just mail it in. Very very possible. I think that that's definitely a likely scenario in that sense. Um, I do think that Buffalo is absolutely coming out into this game looking to at least come away with a sweep for the Dolphins for this year. And so I think they're going to come out and they're going to play tough. I mean, we look at it as this is a game Miami should win. We already lost to Thad Lewis once. This is in Buffalo. It's going to be colder than the Dolphins are used to. Like I said, it's not going to be as bad as it could be, but it's still going to be colder. It's going to be wet. That ball's going to slip around. You're going to have weird things. So, yes, the Dolphins should win it, but is it unheard of if the Bills come out and win this somehow? No, not at all. Um, And I don't think it will necessarily be – oh, the Dolphins are looking too far ahead. I don't think the Dolphins have looked ahead at all this year. I don't think that they that, – that does not seem like the the nature of this team. Um, it just – I worry about this game. I worry about this game more than I worry about the Jets game. I think Buffalo – in the order of rivalry pecking orders – I think Buffalo hates Miami the most at this point. Obviously, everybody hates the Patriots because the Patriots are the Patriots. But I think Buffalo hates Miami more than Miami hates Buffalo. So they're going to come out, and that fan base is going to be loud. That fan that fan base is going to want to see Buffalo play the spoilers. And they're in a perfect position to do it. So does a loss take Miami out of the playoffs? No, not at all. But it's going to make it harder. Yeah, and I, and I think that I, f- I found it interesting because I was watching. I've been watching the past game over and over again this week because it's just that awesome, and uh, especially especially the ending. Uh, now that I know how it ends, I can sit back and watch it without without uh, you know worrying about hospitalization. But the at, at the end of that game, they flip over to uh, the Bills Jaguars game. And you know, of course, that game ends, and then they uh, the Bills come in and uh, take a knee or whatever. And at the end of the game, you see EJ Manuel jogging off the field, smiling, kind of just right. kind of just like, hey, you know, we won. Whoop you do. And then he's ruled out by you know, unless something happened in practice this week, he didn't he didn't look like someone who would have been ruled out this week. So I found that very interesting that he would be ruled out. And, of course, you know, I understand the Stevie Johnson situation. So that that's different. But right. the whole quarterback situation seemed weird to me because, you know, after I read it, I thought, well, you know, I didn't watch that game, so I don't know what happened. But then I I, I let the, the the recording play through, and I, I saw Manuel jogging off the field, and he did not look like someone who was 
um, even favoring uh, an injury. I mean, even if, you know, even right. like Joe Flacco was injured in the Monday night game, and he, you know, you saw him kind of, you know, he walked a little different, but he, you know, whatever. But Manuel didn't look anything like that. So I found it interesting after seeing that that they were, that after that he was ruled out. Yeah, so, I think from what I listened to uh, the conference call, the media conference call with Coach Maroney, and I think. From what he said is, yeah, it didn't. It did not appear bad after the game. Every, it was sore, but everything seemed okay. They got to practice. He did the full practice, but they just couldn't get the swelling down. And he's dropping back fine. He's straight forward, straight back is fine. He just can't move laterally. He can't extend plays, and they can't get the swelling to go down on his knee. He said he absolutely 100% expects him to be ready to go in week 17. They were just kind of surprised that it didn't it, – it, it, it was swollen to the point that they couldn't get any relief on it, and that's why he got ruled out. So it sounds like it's probably a knee sprain, and it just – for whatever reason, it didn't respond this week. So, yeah, it, it was. It was kind of surprising because you're right. He did not look injured at the end of the game. But I think it's – I think to his knee it's kind of like what the concussions are where some of these guys don't look bad and then like the next day suddenly have symptoms of a concussion. I think that's kind of what his knee did. It didn't – it probably – he probably felt it tweak, but he didn't realize how bad it was during the game. And then afterwards, once he stopped using it, it swollen – it got swollen and it just – yeah, it couldn't – uh Oh, Agent Jay's having lights problem. His lights are flickering. He's hoping the power stays on for another hour. Given that Agent Jay doesn't uh, doesn't usually get to hear the whole show, I hope his power stays on too. Um, want to talk real quick? I know. I think it was Lord Ellerby, Wheeler Wallace, uh, who brought it up. <laughs> but we'll have to come up with a nickname. Oh, no, it was Jason Scott. It was Jason Scott. Okay. Um, let's talk about the playoff scenarios. The easiest one, and the one everybody should know by now, is Dolphins went out variant because the loss by the Bengals pulled them down to 9-5, and five, where the Ravens are 8-6. and six. If the Ravens went out, keeping them tied with Miami, if Miami wins out, their last game is against the Bengals, which would pull the Bengals down to uh, nine and seven on the year. Or uh, yeah, ten and six. Sorry, ten and six. At the, at, yeah. the, at the best, would pull the Bengals down to ten and six, and the Ravens have the division tiebreaker over the Bengals, which would put the Ravens into the division championship in the AFC North, and Miami has the playoff head to head tiebreaker over the Bengals, which would put the Dolphins into the wild card. So no matter what happens, if Miami wins the next two, they're in the playoffs. This weekend, if Miami wins, Cincinnati loses, and Baltimore loses, the Dolphins clinch the playoffs this weekend. They clinch the three spot because – or I'm sorry, they clinch the six spot because New England would beat Baltimore, which would be what – 
hey guys, can you keep talking this? I'm getting a phone call. I've got to answer. I'm sorry. All right. So continue that. If we Miami wins this week, the Bengals lose and the Ravens both lose. What that means is going into Week 17, Miami would be nine and six, the Bengals would be nine and six, and the Ravens would be eight and seven. Regardless of what happens to Miami in the Jets game, the winner of the Ravens Bengals game finishes um, nine and seven and wins that division. So that what would happen in that case is Miami has the tiebreaker over the Bengals if the Ravens lose their eight and eight and out anyway. So that's what could happen there. Yeah, the Dolphins could actually be eliminated from the playoffs this week if the Dolphins and the Chargers both lose and the Ravens and the Bengals both win. So um, that, that too, is a possibility, which is why, you know, I've watched a lot of stuff and read a lot of stuff this week, and people are saying, well, this is one of those classic letdown games for Miami that, you know, they they just came off this huge win against the Patriots, and that's the biggest win of this regime, and all this stuff, and they're looking for a letdown. But if you listen to the coaches and you listen to the players, they realize that, hey, we can't, we can't, you know, suffer a letdown. We can't think, yeah, we've got it made now because we don't. So I think they're going to come out and play, you know, with the, the you know, with the desire to uh, continue to make the playoffs. I don't think this is going to be like, yeah, we're we're sitting pretty, you know, we can take it easy. I, I don't see that happening like some people are, are kind of projecting. So that's, that's – They really they – need, they need to look at this week as a must win. I mean, that's – Yeah, I mean, basically – and I think we mentioned it last week on the on the podcast that um, every every game from here on out is basically a playoff game for Miami. That you know, now if 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 Baltimore and Miami lose this week, Miami's still uh, still in the hunt. If um, Miami loses this week and Cincinnati loses this week, they're still in the hunt. So as long as if Miami loses, as long as Cincinnati or Baltimore both lose, and if the Chargers win and they play the Raiders, I believe. No, 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 they play. Yes, the Chargers play the Raiders. Okay, so they play the Raiders. So um, it's it's possible that we could go into that three, three-way three tie scenario, and we really don't want to get into that if, if you're the Dolphins. So uh, we mentioned it last week that every game from here on out is basically – you win or go home. And I think the Dolphins are playing that way. So, and I think they're going into the, the game this week. If you've listened to, you know, the funny Philbin press conference where he brought up a dictionary and defined the swagger and said, yeah, we ain't got that. <laughs> um, yeah, if you listen to the team, they realize, that, no, we can't. Yeah, we're in the hunt, but we're not in it yet. Now, right. th- there was a debate going around the side. I believe it was a uh, Martin, otherwise known as K I H O four. I believe I said that right. He um, he put up a you know one of his posts about you know how the Dolphins can make the playoffs, and the question was, do you want the Dolphins to to win this week and the Patriots to also lose this week? Because there is still a playoff scenario out there where if the Patriots lose out, now think about it this way. Now before that sounds too crazy. The Patriots never play the Ravens well. Um, it's always a close game, and they're playing in Baltimore. There was an article this week on, um, I can't remember what website it was, but it said that the Ravens actually have one of the better home field advantages in the NFL. 
I think they said it was second behind Seattle, if you look at some of the, like the win differential. So um, let's say they lose there. Buffalo, I mean, they're going into this game without some of their star players, without their, their quarterback, without their receiver. Uh, they're missing safety, Aaron Williams. If those guys come back for Week 17, say Miami wins, those guys, that's going to be their Super Bowl. So let's say they go into Foxborough and actually upset the Patriots. The Patriots go out 10-6. and six if the, if the, uh, And in that case, if Miami wins out and the Patriots lose out, Miami wins the division. So there's still that possibility. So the, the question that was posed on the site was, do you, do you hope for that, or do you want the Bengals to lose and the Ravens to lose and Miami to win and just go ahead and get in the sixth seed and have it over with? And I think as a long-suffering fan, uh, you know, it, to me the point is, you know, just win and not worry about it. But I would much rather see the Bengals and Ravens lose tomorrow and the Dolphins win and go go into Week 17 with absolute assurance that Miami's in the playoffs. That's what I want. I mean, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not going to try to leave the chances up to Buffalo upsetting New England to get the division. I would rather go ahead, get in this week, and relax. And the one good thing about that is the one good thing about the way the schedule is this week, the Ravens Patriots game being the night game means that or not the night game, the the they're a four oh five game, I think. Mm-hmm. Is that right? They're four oh five, four twenty five, whatever it is. Yeah. Okay, so they're the four twenty five game. So the Dolphins game and the um Bengals game will already be over. So, if Cincinnati has won, then you can go ahead and go for Baltimore because Miami can't clinch this week. If Cincinnati loses and Miami wins, then you can go for Baltimore to win so that Miami clinches their playoff berth. Well, the Patriots. So there's the, if, the, if the Patriots if the Patriots win, you can go for yeah, that's right. Um, if Cincinnati wins. You root for Baltimore. If Cincinnati loses, you root for New England, which sounds horrible to say. Yes. <laughs> and this is coming after two consecutive weeks where we the Dolphins almost lost by a a pinky toe stepping out of bounds on what would have been one of the most biggest miracle plays ever. Right. And then the following week, a guy who hasn't been on the team a full week, played no played scout team defense, no defensive reps at all, comes in and because of a battered secondary is a safety forced to play corner against one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, who I guarantee most people went, I guarantee just like I think Jimmy Wilson said it, I know I thought it, and I'm sure everyone else did, when the Dolphins scored that touchdown. When you looked at the clock, you thought, oh, crap, three timeouts in a minute 15. That's an eternity for Tom Brady. And this guy comes off and picks off, picks him off on fourth down in the end zone. Okay. I, what, what I really want to see, just for my own personal health, is I want to see a Dolphins blowout this week and then to clinch the playoffs so I can relax for a change. Yeah. Because these close games are killing me, man. I don't like it. And <laughs> as, as much as – as much as beating the Jets is something we always want to see, I don't want to go into – I would prefer not to go into a game against the Jets 
with Miami needing a win to get into the playoffs. Just because the Jets, Dolphins, always is crazy. Something wild will happen. And if somehow the Jets manage to keep Miami out of the playoffs, we're never going to hear the end of it. So I would prefer to just take that scenario away. Let's just get rid of that, clinch this week. And, I mean, obviously the Dolphins need help to do it. It's not something they can just do by themselves. And that's also assuming that the Dolphins are going to win. And, obviously, we all think they're going to win. But it's Buffalo, and weird things happen there, too, because the division game. And see, I agree with you that I'm more concerned about this game this week than next week. Right. Simply because the Jets is a total mess. Okay, the Bills, they actually have a worse record but I think they're an organization kind of – they're looking up. Okay, E.J. Manuel has not been the dumpster fire that Geno Smith has. And even though he's been injured, and I, I went to Buffalo Rumblings this week and just kind of read some of the – you know, when they ruled him out, just read some of the comments, and, you know, they're all upset about, uh, we're going to have to look for a new quarterback because he's always injured. And I was like, you know, I don't know how you feel because if, you know, if Tannehill throws an interception, we have to, you know, deal with the same thing. But the um, – uh, you know – you look at what's going on with the Jets, and they're a complete disarray. Okay, and their quarterback's a lot worse. They have zero playmakers on offense. I mean, I you know, the what the Bills have as far as receivers and running backs is a lot better than what the, the Jets have. So, does Duke? Uh, it's showing it's showing we still have him, but he's not he's not talking anymore. Yep, he's gone now. And, he, just and he's him. gone. Okay, so we lost Duke, so hopefully he'll be able to call back in. Uh, since we did break there with the playoff talk, since we lost him, I'll go ahead. He's been on hold for about 20 minutes now, so I'll go ahead and bring Dolphin Fan for Life in. Uh, how you doing tonight, Dolphin Fan for Life? I'm doing all right. Good. You want to talk new offensive coordinator, huh? Well, it was just an idea, you know. Um, personally, I don't want to get rid of Mike Sherman. I think he's one of the reasons why Tannehill has been progressing the way he did and did, and I have my own opinions about it. But, you know, if by chance we do have to replace him or whatever, I was wondering what guys would think about James Franklin from Vanderbilt, considering the fact that well, he does have the pedigree from uh, over there in uh, – he was in Green Bay in 2004. So he does have that kind of pedigree. And the, the job he did in Vanderbilt was pretty much phenomenal. He's taken him to three consecutive bowl games. Um, for a team that hasn't done that in, like, forever, it was just remarkable. Um, I, I I agree what he did with Vanderbilt is remarkable. Um, he, he, he did a good job as the offensive coordinator at Maryland, obviously, which is what moved him up to being a head coach for, uh, Vanderbilt. And I believe he's on the radar. I don't know how much on the radar, but I believe he's on the radar for the Texas job when everybody else seems to be turning it down. Um, I wouldn't be against it. I just – I think that saying that he has the Green Bay link to their offense, mm-hmm. it does 
it, it loses weight when you consider the fact that we have Green Bay's offensive coordinator as the head coach. So if we're going to run that offense, we already have the guy that knows how to coordinate it. Um, at the same time, it, it wouldn't be a bad move. Uh, I, I do. I have said it. I have said it several times. I think Tannehill has outgrown Mike Sherman's offense because this was his fourth year in it. You consider two years in college running it as a quarterback, two years in the pros running it. That's basically his four years of college running this offense as a quarterback. And normally now he's moving on to a new offense. But I've said that, and since I've started thinking that way, Sherman seems to be changing how he's calling plays. He's calling the offense a little bit different. He's starting to mix things in. So you're probably, you may be right on the – we may not need to get rid of Sherman. Sherman may be evolving how he is running the offense and letting Tannehill have a little bit more freedom, letting Tannehill do a little bit more with the offense now. And maybe next year, if Sherman does stay, maybe next year it is open it up more. They have better chemistry between him and Mike Wallace, and things start clicking better. So there, there, there's an argument both ways. Um, I wouldn't say no to Franklin, but I wouldn't say yes right away either. I, I think that's the way I am. And I know, Duke, you're back on the show, so any thoughts of yours? Well, I mean, unless, you know, you know, the only thing, in my my opinion, that's going to happen with, with changing coaches is if, um, A, we lose the last two games and miss the playoffs. I think even if we finish 9-7 and seven, but somehow still miss the playoffs, I don't think anyone's getting fired. Um, unless this whole incognito mess, something bad comes out with that, right. and that forces it. As far as actual games, I think we'd have to lose the last two in pretty bad form, in my opinion, for just people to be out, out and out fired. Um, and so I, you know, and unless someone wants to hire Mike Sherman as a as a as a head coach, I don't think he's going to go unless he just quits. Um, so I mean, I mean, I'm sure you know Jeff Ireland can find a way to say, you know, hey, you know, you can uh, you can either quit or we'll make you quit, kind of one of those deals. But I, I don't think I don't think we're going to be getting new people unless somebody moves on from a new position. Because I mean, at this point, um, we're looking at a possible winning season. Um, Joe Philbin's even now being talked about as as a coach of the year candidate for right. uh, how he's brought this team through that that whole mess. And I have them on the precipice of the playoffs. There's a word for you. So um, nice. Um, so I, yeah, I, I just don't see anybody. Anybody? I just don't see anybody getting fired um, unless you know everything falls apart. So it's possible. I just don't know if, that anybody's gone. I mean, I mean, yeah. they, they may want some, a fresh mind in there, but again, you know, it comes down. There, there, there's two parts. And we can argue about the coaching decisions. I mean, how, how many times did they try the sweep to the left of Daniel Thomas before it actually worked in the Pittsburgh net? Um, you know, there's just times that, yeah, sometimes you wonder, are the play calls just bad or is it the team's just not executing? And earlier in the season, right. you could argue that the play calling wasn't bad, it's just the execution. And then kind of the middle of the year, you could say, well, it looks like the Tannehill and the offense is executing fine, but the plays are kind of bad. And now it looks like that's kind of those two things are coming together now. So it's like not only the play calls looking good, but the execution is there. I mean, a prime example of that is that fourth and five play 
uh, this past week. That I, one one thing I read said that it was a horrible play call, and that may be so, but the team executed it. So, you know, that could have easily been when you look at the situation where the, the pass rusher was coming at Tannehill and he had to change his arm angle to get the ball to Charles Clay. The ball could have been incomplete. Clay could have dropped it. He could have been dropped for a loss. But they executed, got the first down, and won the game. So, you know, is that a bad play call? Or is that something that the team's done and just hasn't executed until now? So, is, you know, as long as this team continues to win and execute on offense, score points, you know, I, I don't see necessarily the need for change, you know, because we went from a period of kind of a stagnant offense where now, you know, it's it has its moments, but it it, it seems to be to be growing. Tannehill's playing better, and I think that's kind of the key to all of it. So. As long as they continue to play well, I don't. I don't think they'll change anything. You know, I said it in a post earlier. I think it. I don't remember which one I. But um, I said that one of the reasons why I think that the playbook's opening up is because of the simple fact that Tannehill is doing better and the offense is doing better. And I kind of compared it a little bit to like you don't buy a new pair of shoes and proceed to run a marathon. You got to break them shoes in. As you break them in, you can run a little bit further and a little bit further until you feel comfortable running that marathon. You know, right. I think and that's I think a little you, bit of... I think you add in the fact that the offensive line has finally gelled together and is playing a lot better. And I think that we all said it before that this offensive line is built to run a power blocking scheme trying to run a zone but I think the key there was Brian McKinney came in and absolutely 100% locked down that left tackle position he struggled he's had a few times where you're like oh come on but he has solidified that position and that move was absolutely the move that had to be made and it's unfortunate that Jonathan Martin didn't work out at left tackle I think everybody assumed that that's where he would go when he was drafted um, if the team didn't didn't keep Jake Long. So there's the Bryant McKinney move helped. Now you add in Sam Brenner, who has the same um, playing style as Mike Pouncey. So now you have two guys, your left guard and your center, that are pulling out on those sweet plays, on those wide receiver screenplays who are out there leading the way and getting to that second level. And that you're also starting to see the offense start to click because of that. So you're right. I think, I think you're right that there were so many new pieces and even throughout the season, so many new pieces that had to be worked in that now things are broken in. Now they're starting to figure it out. You're starting to see Mike Pouncey or uh, Mike Wallace's numbers go up. You're starting to see the sacks come down and, we're going to we're going to set the team sack record if we haven't already. I can't remember. I think it's 56 and we're at 53 or something like that. So, we're going to set that, but at the end of the game, the fact that we're giving up like half as many sacks per game the second half of the season than the first half of the season tells you that we're moving in the right direction. And I think that there's probably a good argument to be made that we need to keep the stability, keep Sherman in there, and there will be times where we will absolutely hate it. And 
keep Coyle in there, and there will be times that we will absolutely hate it because he will call a blitz, and they will run a screen pass right into the where the blitz came from, and they'll get 20 yards on third and eight, and it'll drive us absolutely crazy. But, yeah, I think there is some – there is some very good logic to be had with let's just leave it alone and give it another year and see what happens. Now, at what point do you keep saying let's give it another year and see what happens before you say, okay, it's not going to progress anymore? I don't know, but I think we are seeing the progression still, so you keep leaving it in place, if that makes sense. I think you don't stop the progression until the regression starts. If it starts right. regressing, then you sit there and make the changes. Speaking of continuity, how much of the other line would you like to see back next year? Um, I mean, we've said we've said Grimes is a priority number one, and I'm I'm beginning. And I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now, but the offensive line is playing much better. Claybo's playing better. I think now that we've got veteran you know, leadership on both sides and they're both finally committing to it, you know, I, think, I personally don't mind seeing I all five. I think that you back. go you, – you obviously you're keeping Pouncey. You are probably – I don't have a problem with keeping Brenner if he continues to play like this. I think you get somebody in there to challenge him, but I think you absolutely can keep Brenner um, as your starting left guard for now. Uh, Jerry is Jerry, and they'll probably bring somebody else in there. They'll probably compete for it, and somehow Jerry will continue to win the job, even though it just seems like every year they try to get him out of that job. He continues to win it, so good for him. Um, the two tackles are probably the question marks. I think you end up seeing – I think the Dolphins absolutely are drafting offensive line this year. Um, I think that even if they draft a tackle in the first round and they keep Claybo and McKinney, we have to accept the fact that this coaching staff absolutely sees rookies as redshirt freshmen. And we're going to redshirt them that freshman year, and they'll get a little bit of playing time here and there. And it does not make them an automatic bust. Just like Dallas Thomas is not an automatic bust because we had to rotate out guards, and the coaches see him as a tackle. Um, I think that they're probably still drafting offensive linemen, absolutely, round one. Um, Unless somebody else is on the board, somebody falls, uh, they can make that trade like they did last year that nobody saw coming. Things like that obviously changes things up, but I'm not going to say that they couldn't bring back, especially McKinney, but at the same time, if they got rid of him, went younger, and got some of this talent, because this is a very, very deep draft class, a very, very heavy and heavy in both senses of big guys, and heavy in the sense that there are a lot of offensive linemen available. And I know, Duke, you're itching to jump in here, so I'll let you get to it in just a second. But I'm not going to say that they couldn't keep a majority of the offensive line. I just don't think they do. Did I lose Duke again? Uh, 
personally, I think we might sign Claybo to another like one-year deal. McKinney actually, it surprised me when I read that he actually advocated for the trade to Miami. Um, I found that an interesting tidbit, and he does want to play for three more years. I do believe we probably re-sign him for maybe one or two years, just because, I mean, he's the reason why Brenner is progressing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's helping him, absolutely. Him and Pouncey together, I mean, I, I see that as a, you know, and I mean, it's to the point now where you look at our offensive line and you look at Brenner as the weak link before it was Claybo, but now Claybo's playing better, and I think it just took him a little while than, than we anticipated, plus with having Jonathan Martin on the left side who wasn't, you know, it was just kind of like a domino effect. But I just, I could honestly see us starting out with all five of the linemen that we're playing with now starting at the beginning of the season Um, with maybe McKinney getting a two-year deal because he said he wants to play for three more years. Um and he'll be cheaper than, than like, say, Jake Long or something like that. We won't have that same issue. He'll pretty much take what he can get. He dropped the next year just so that he can play. Um, Claybo, you might be able to get cheaper because then he won't have to pack up and move again. Um I just see that, um, but one thing, and this is the last question, I promise. I know I take up a lot of time every time, but uh, as far as, like, Matt Moore goes, um, who are possible trade scenarios that you see for him? For me personally, I think Bucks, but I don't know. Hello? I don't think I see a trade for Matt Moore. Um, probably because he's a $4 million cap hit next year. And I think that teams are going to want to – they're going to want – they're going to want a chance to get their franchise quarterback in the draft. I think that's what we would be looking for in a trade – scenario would be we want draft picks and I think that the teams that would want him are going to be trying to keep their draft picks now obviously the question Tampa Bay they have Mike Glennon they seem to be happy with him I just I don't think that they end up going for Matt Moore I think that the Dolphins somebody could step up and go you know what we want him Absolutely 100%. But I think the Dolphins either end up keeping him at the $4 million mark next year or they go ahead and cut him because I don't believe – I'm i going to have to look it up now. But I don't believe they have any guaranteed on that. I'm not 100% though on that. 
I think it's like a two million guarantee, um, or a two point two or something like that. Come on. Um, he is. I'm sorry. He's a five point five million cap number next year. They save four million by cutting him. He has a one point five in dead money if they cut him next year. So it would go it, four million dollars off the top of the cap if they cut him. So that, uh, he, he he's a tough one because he is absolutely somebody you want on your team. Absolutely, one hundred percent think you want him on your team because you want that veteran stability at your second quarterback in case he's needed and to help continue to mentor Ryan Tannehill. But $5.5 million is a lot of money to be sitting on the bench when, especially when your quarterback is only two or something million, if even that. Let me look him up real quick. Tannehill's number for next year is not voting. Okay. There it is. It's uh it's four million. No, sorry, that's uh fifteen. It's uh three point four million. So you're looking at one point I'm sorry, two point one million more for Matt Moore than Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> rough to yeah. rough to rough to say that you're gonna keep um you're going to keep Matt Moore in that scenario. I don't know one way or the other what ends up happening there. I think probably they either try to work out an extension and sign him to a two, split that money over two years, or they end up just cutting him because I don't think they're going to wrap up that much money into him. And it may just come down to how much do they believe in Pat Devlin at this point? Do they think Pat Devlin can be the backup quarterback? And then you draft somebody late in the draft to be the next developmental quarterback. So I like to look at Jordan Rogers. <laughs> you know. Not not bad. I mean any any quarterback you're going to take, you're gonna take with the intention that he's gonna be your third string guy. He may be a practice squad guy. Um you're gonna be somebody who you're developing. So not bad. Um I think the danger there is simply the name because so many people are going to know the name. But I don't, it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know. It, Matt Moore is going to obviously be a very interesting person to watch this this season or this off season. But Dalton Fan for Life, thank you very much for calling in tonight. No problem. You, uh, you have a good night and, uh, Enjoy your holiday. You we won't be back on the air before. Well, I guess we are back on the air before New Year's. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a show next week. Maybe we won't. I haven't really decided yet. <laughs> Amazing how I have that power. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Enjoy your holiday. Either way, uh, enjoy your holidays. You too, and we will talk to you again soon. I'm sure. Yep. All right. Bye. Duke, you still on the air? Or did yeah. I lose you? Okay. I was worried I lost you there for a while. Um, I had to uh, I had, I had to put it on mute and take care of business. Ah, uh, okay. That makes sense. 
that that explains why suddenly there wasn't an answer. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> We've already dropped him once. <laughs> Drop him again. Um, I, I have not been. James, have you been in the live thread? Yes. Are there any questions in there? I have not been in it for a minute. Um, no. I, there have there been a few, yes. There is one. I don't know if it was discussed uh, that Lord L.B. Wheeler Wallace mentioned uh, on his original was most important of all. Are we the only team in the AFC East that now has a franchise quarterback for the long term? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if that one was tough or not. And well, it was the, it was the last part of that. The other question about Lamar Miller and I, I right now I would say, given that the way quarterbacks are playing a little bit longer. I would say Tom Brady has at least three to four more years of good play, maybe not great play, but good play. So I, I'm not ruling him out yet. But in terms of long-term, a guy that that you can build a franchise around, I think the Dolphins are in good shape. I think the Bills aren't sure, but I think they're in better shape. They're in better shape because um, you don't. EJ Manuel has looked okay when he's played. He's not. He's not been overall that healthy, though. He's missed some time. Geno Smith, you know, it's hard to tell because, you know, they just got him this draft. He's a second-round pick. How much do you want to build around that guy? Do you think you can build around that guy? I mean, is he just a lost cause after one year? I've seen some articles say he was. But overall, for the question, I think Miami is looking the best right now long-term. I I think so. I think that – they're absolutely the best long-term. Um, obviously, that's not saying anything about Brady. Uh, he, he, like you said, he'll play for another few years, um, and he's going to continue to be a upper-level quarterback. Could we see him slide down the rankings a little bit? Of course we could. Um, but I, I think he's going to keep the Patriots competitive for the next few years. I don't think that means that they're winning the division every few every year. I think it's Miami and New England battling for it. But I think that he keeps them competitive. Uh, the Bills, I think what keeps the Bills um, looking forward is E.J. Manuel does look like he is going to be a good quarterback. I'm not going to say that he's going to be an elite quarterback or anything like that. Maybe he doesn't pan out. He, he needs more time to develop. He, he's definitely not Andrew Luck or Russell Wilson or uh, Colin Kaepernick or Ryan Tannehill ready to come in and carry a team their first year or their first and second year. He needs more time to develop. At the same time, though, I think they seem to like Thad Lewis sitting back there. He, he's developing also. So they have two young quarterbacks that are developing nicely and could bring them up. And then there's the Jets. Geno Smith is, I think at this point it's a coin toss on which way he ends up going. A lot of that probably comes down to how well does he get developed because he does. He has moments where he looks great, but he has moments where he looks abysmal at the same time. So it's going to be up to them. And that kind of takes me into a question that I want to talk about for probably the next, I don't know, few minutes because I, I, I'd like to try to start dropping these down towards an hour instead of the hour and a half that we've been pushing lately, just because of some listening issues and trying to get people more involved in the show. 
uh, things like that. So we're right at an hour now. Um, I know Keith is trying to work his way home to be able to get into the show, so we may get him for the last few minutes here. Uh, but I was listening to Mike and Mike on ESPN Radio uh, this week, and they've talked about a lot this week. How many coaches are getting fired this year? And they have the number at about nine nearly sure things and 11 that they think could be. So you're looking at somewhere right around double digits, a third of the league um, changing coaches this year. So just bouncing it off you, Duke, going down, I'm just going down, I have conference standings up in front of me, so just going down the list in division order that they have it listed here. Uh, Jets, do you think Rex Ryan is getting fired? Um, it's possible. Depends how they I think that's probably right. Last, it depends how they respond the last two games. I mean, they've got the Browns this week, but the Browns are going to be without Jordan Cameron or Cameron Jordan, whichever he is. And if... Um, if it, and you know Bass is out, even though he's dropping passes like crazy. So if I mean if they lose to that team, who's going to be uh, kind of undermanned, losing one of their main weapons, I, you know I think they pretty much quit. Uh, they'll, yeah. they'll quit on the season, and Rex will be gone because that'll be a six and ten season. Um, and you know, assuming the Dolphins beat him, I'm going to and assume that just for the fun of it. So I, I think that would happen. So yeah, he's gone. And I think I think that's it's funny because he was somebody who was on the hot seat entering the season. Then he was off of it because he had that team, despite their lack of talent, had that team playing well. Then they crashed and burned, so he was back on it. Then it was oh wait, we might have a little bit here, and then it was back down to yeah, he's probably getting fired. So he's been up and down roller coaster. And I think part of the problem is. They have the new GM who did not pick him. So it, how well does that GM want to handle that coach? So I think that's where it is. Uh, go ahead and welcome Keith in. I just talked about how he might be getting here, and look at that. He called in. So, Keith, how are you tonight? I'm all right. How are you doing? Good. Welcome to the show. Glad you can make it. Um, I was just talking about how – I want to try to keep the shows down a little bit. I had been pushing 90 minutes on the show. I want to bring them down towards an hour, and we're right at an hour. So we're probably in the last few minutes of the show. Um, and over the last week or so, Mike and Mike in the morning on ESPN Radio have been talking about coaches that they think are getting fired, that they could see fired at the end of the season on Black Monday or shortly thereafter. And obviously we already have the first one with the Houston Texans. So there's one. They said that by their count, they're probably looking at 9 to 11. Somewhere in there is where they think it'll be, which would mean about a third of the league is changing coaches. So obviously the Texans are the first one. We just talked Jets. Do you think Rex is fired or not? Yeah, I think Rex is toast. Okay. I think, um, I think that um, – Yeah, go on. Uh, I mean, this is – um, yet another season in which they uh, at some point put together a decent run and then they just completely fall off. Their offense is a complete mess. Uh, they've they've done good things on the defensive line, but it's almost like it's in spite of everything else they've done at this point this season. So I, I just I struggle to 
to uh, envision a scenario in which he's back next year. I actually thought that he wasn't going to make it through this season, and then they started winning games. Right. So, but I mean, if they if they want any any hope of competing uh, within the next five years, I mean, they have to completely fix the offense. And it, I mean, Rex has proven time and time again that uh, he's almost like the the Levy Smith of the AFC. I mean, the defense will always find a way to win or find a way to compete under Rex Ryan, but the offense just continues to be a mess. Uh, they can't find their quarterback. They can't implement much. Uh, the running game is completely uh, fallen by the wayside. They have some talent in the receiver core, and they're not getting it done there either. Their offensive line, which was once a strength, is now uh, starting to kind of uh, collapse a bit. So I, I just I don't see it. Okay, so let me ask this. Does he get hired as a coach somewhere else, or is he going to be a coordinator? Um, I I think it would be in his best interest to, to go the coordinator route. I don't know if that that will happen, because I mean he he was in New York for a while. He handled um, ar- arguably one of the most difficult head coaching jobs in the NFL. So I mean that could happen, but I I think that uh, he's a hotter commodity as a coordinator because people will see what he did with Baltimore prior to right. taking over the Jets. And, I mean, there's that, that's a, a, a strong body of work. So I think that's his best best route. A lot of teams want to make the switch over to the 3-4 defense, which, I mean, he has a handle on, clearly. Um, but, I mean, the Ryans are, are, are big names in terms of uh, defensive coordinators and um, the resume they've put together. I mean, you, you make the case that they're both idiots. Uh, I mean, Rob pissed off everyone in St. Louis prior to making the jump to the Saints. And for everything well he's done with the Saints, he's annoying people down there too. So, yep. but, I mean, if, he, if he's able to find a, a coordinator role somewhere, I think that uh, that team will will have um, have one of the premier guys taking over their defense. <clears throat> defense excuse me. Okay, continuing down the list, I'm assuming the Bills are going to keep their coach since this is his first year. So Cincinnati, Baltimore, probably keeping their coach. I don't think the Steelers are going to fire uh, Tomlin because the Steelers don't ever fire a coach. And I'm assuming the Browns will keep Rob because Chudzinski just got there this year. So that's the AFC East, AFC North out. Uh, Titans, do the Titans fire their coach? Yes. I think I think Munchak's out. Duke, you agree? I agree. I concur. Okay. Uh, Jacksonville just got their coach this year. We start this year. Or yeah, start I, I think Gus Bradley. Bradley I think Gus Bradley, Bradley stays. Right? I mean, J- Jacksonville's been surprisingly competitive the the, yeah, the past the past six weeks. So I mean, while it's been it's been a mess there, I mean, you're, you're certainly seeing things you like, and he's starting to get things done on the defensive side of the ball. It's going to be about finding long-term answers at quarterback and really uh, everywhere on the on uh, on the offense, and they need to get stuff done in the secondary too. But I think I think Gus is safe. Okay. Um, obviously, the Houston Texans have already fired their coach. Uh, the Broncos Chiefs are keeping theirs because eleven and three records don't scream we need to be fired. Uh, San Diego has uh, Mike McCoy, who started this year. They're sitting at seven and seven. They're theoretically still in the playoff chase. I don't see McCoy getting fired. 
Dennis Allen in Oakland. It's only his second year on the job. I I think he. Oh, you can't. Should I go first? Or I don't mean to speak over Duke. If he wants to go ahead. Yeah, he's gone. (laughs) (laughs) I think I actually think that there's a chance. I mean, if if they keep him, it's by a nose. But I think that. Of of the guys on the block, he might have the best chance, just because um, he inherited one of the the worst situations in terms of um, NFL teams when he took over. I mean, he had no draft picks, um, and I mean it's it's been slow working its way up from there. But it's really it's really up to uh, their front office. I think they have uh, Reggie McKenzie out there, and. Uh, I, I mean, th- that could go either way, but I, I think just by a nose, I'd say that Dennis Allen will stay, but I don't know. Just because, I mean, that that was such an impossible situation. Not having any draft picks, not being able to really get a shot at get your, getting your quarterback they're, in there. Uh, he had to endure the Matt Flynn crap. Their, um, their salary cap is a mess right now. I think I think you're right. It could go either way. I think that what probably keeps him there is simply trying to keep some stability. That the Raiders, the Raiders have to get some stability after all these years of turmoil and fire this guy, hire that guy, turn around, hire, fire that guy, hire this guy, hire guys that were co- our coaches 50 years ago, things like that. Um, and obviously, it wasn't 50 years ago, but um, <laughs> I think I think that's probably. I think he probably makes it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was fired either. Uh, well, there was a point where their their defense was putting it together. You right. know, I mean, like they were they, earlier this season, they were good against the run. I mean, where they're struggling is, I mean, they're they need they need leadership on defense. Uh, their linebacker linebacker core is extremely young, uh, and they're still moving on from the whole Rolando McLean mess. Uh, and they I mean, honestly, they need a knockout pass rusher. So, I mean, plenty of issues. I mean, their secondary isn't anything to write home about either. But, I mean, this is – they finally have a full draft here coming up. And, I mean, we'll see what, what see what they can do with it. Um, so, going through the AFC, we have obviously the Texans. We think the Jets and Titans are both firing their coach. And Oakland is a maybe. Uh, on the NFC side, obviously the Eagles – We'll keep theirs. What's going on with the Cowboys? Does Garrett make it through? Well, do you think Chip Kelly's really serious when he he says that he's not considering the UT job? I I will I, I'll caveat it by saying I won't count that because you do always have that one weird either the random coach gets fired or he decides to take another job. So will he be back? Is probably a maybe. Will he be fired? I would say no. You yeah, I mean, I, I agree that in yeah. terms of what you're saying. But I don't know, man. He's got that Bobby Petrino glint in his eye right now uh, when he was he, talking about he, that job. I mean, is he Nick Saban-ish? He, um, let's be honest, he was one of the premier recruiters during his time at Oregon. Yep. yep. Uh, I don't know if you could find a more knockout fit than Chip Kelly in Texas. So and it I mean probably we, absolutely I mean, would be right. I mean we're jaded. It's what, we're jaded in 
we see these coaches come out and say, no, I'm not interested, and then they take it. We saw Saban do it, so, of course, any time a coach says that now, we're like, right. And, you know, did he tell you or did he show you? But I, I yeah. just – that that's a dream job. It is. It absolutely is. They're going to pay whoever it is way more money than anybody else could. Um, it's Texas. It's still dominant in the state, even though – A&M is getting there because A&M is in the SEC now. A&M is doing the Johnny Manziel thing. They, they're they're winning. They're having quarterbacks go to the NFL and play well with Tannehill now. So A&M's getting there. So absolutely they could just go, hey, Chip, here's a blank check. Write your salary on it. Or yeah, here's you know, here's something to consider. Uh, here's I, In fact, I've had this thought that, Imagine Chip Kelly goes to Texas and then Kevin Sumlin goes to coach the Eagles. Because Kevin Sumlin yeah. will, be a, will be a hot coaching name this offseason. He would be, yep. So, I mean, who knows? He, I mean, he, he could be. be a weird musical chairs like that. What did you say, James? Uh, I saw a figure the, figure the other day that uh, UT, the revenue that UT brings in, and part of it is because they have their own channel and – and all that, but it, it's four times more than any other program in the entire nation right now. Yeah. So when they're, and, when they're talking 10-year, $100 million contracts, they can afford it. And they're bad. I mean, Texas is not Texas. They are bad for Texas. They, they're not a horrible, horrible, uh, not franchise, that's not the right word, but program, but they're not Texas either. And they're still breaking in that nope. kind of money. Wait till they do get back up on top, and they're going to be oh yeah, bank. Um, okay, so how about the Giants? Does Coughlin survive? Mm. Oh, I'm then sorry. Doesn't he always? We didn't, get, we didn't get the answer on the Cowboys. What do you think we're going to do with Garrett? Does Garrett get fired or not? He's got it. He's got to go. I, I don't care what Jerry's saying right now. That that meltdown in um in Arlington. Um. <laughs> On Sunday was just, I mean, I mean, I mean, he could have come out and said that uh, anything about Jason Garrett. And after that game, I mean, if people would understand if he reneged on all of it. So I mean, it's got to happen. I mean, this, I mean, Jason Garrett's kind of coach. I mean, we like them. Uh, I think he he has an ability to work with quarterbacks. I think Tony Romo has improved under Jason Garrett, but I just don't think he's a head coach type guy. I think that that team will continue to just miss out on the playoffs while they have him in there. So. I mean, who knows? But Jerry Jones makes questionable decisions. So, I mean, it's not a lock, but I would, I mean, if I'm Jerry Jones, I mean, that guy's out the door already. Um, okay, so now Coughlin. I'll, I'll go second on this one. <laughs> okay, Duke, you're up. That's a tough call, but, I mean, if you look at I mean, he's won two Super Bowls in the last ten years. So he's got that going for him. But I read something the other day. I mean, they've only won – I don't think they've won 10 games in a season in like a, a long period of time. I can't remember. Um, so, I mean, it's like they're, they're this, this constantly mediocre team that somehow backs it, backs into the playoffs and gets hot and wins the Super Bowl. So it, it's kind of like the I, – I don't know. I don't think you can just bank on that. I mean, I mean Eli Manning is just – you know, I don't know what it is with the New York quarterbacks just deciding to give the ball to the other team like it's their job or something, but it's just I, – I don't know. 
I could see him. I could see that being not necessarily a firing, but him being like, "Look, I'm I'm getting out of here," and they're like, "Yeah, we'll let you go." Kind of a, he just wants he just wants out, and they're looking for someone new. As far as actually firing him, I mean, I don't know because it does have a Super Bowl track record, but everything else would suggest that he should be gone. You just have to wonder how much longer he wants to do this. Right. Because, I mean, you know, he, he isn't a spring chicken. And, I mean, like, it seems like every year New York goes through this thing where, you know, are they keeping Tom Coughlin? Are they firing him? I mean, he's got nothing to prove at this point. He's got two two Super Bowl rings at Tom Brady's expense. So, I mean, it's, I, mean, it's I, I don't think they'll fire him. I think, I mean, I could, I could understand him retiring. Walk. I don't know right. if they outright can him, but, I mean, it's New York. Who knows? Okay. Uh, picking up the pace. Bears keep theirs. Packers, I'm assuming, are going to keep theirs. Uh, Lions, I would. Did you, did you hit up the Redskins? Oh, sorry. Redskins, I assume, is going to fire theirs. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a no brainer. That's a gig where Red, I could see Rex Red Ryan going. Fired. He should buy lottery tickets. If we're, talking about, if we're talking about Rex Ryan as a head coaching candidate, Washington will be a place for him. You think so? I think Dallas. Yeah. Dallas, too. But you have to understand that, I mean, I'm fairly even certain though, that Washington already has a – Washington's uh, already got a 3-4 personnel in place. They do. So, I mean, that's something where – I mean, that's that's hand and glove, whereas – I mean, Dallas has made the move to the 4-3 this year and with the uh, – is their coordinator, Monty Kiffin? Is that right? And uh, they have, like, one of the worst defenses in, in ever – uh, they can't stop anyone. So, uh, but they have, you know, they have more three, four personnel. Also, oh, that's uh, a good thing. Ryan going. It was there. a good thing they. It was a good thing they fired Rob Ryan, huh? Um, okay, so the Lions. Does, uh, does Schwartz come back? No, uh, only if they make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, interesting. Yeah, well, this yeah, is the second year in a row where they've no, done the his, nose dive this late in the season. Lack of leadership. The fact that the team isn't disciplined. They. they too many penalties, too many, too much stupidity with that team on the field stuff. I mean, it, that, that's that's all your coach, and he can't apparently get it out of them. So he, that team needs a disciplinarian brought in there. And that's the team, and I think they actually talked about this on Mike and Mike too, so I feel like I'm stealing their idea. But that's the team that if Tom Coughlin goes, it would make sense for him to go to because they have talent, they need discipline, and they could be a threat in that NFC North. Um, okay, Vikings Vikings got their coach this year, didn't they? Didn't no, last know. year. Frazier. No. Uh, and the year before. Like, Frazier's been there since, I think, 2011. Since 10, 2011, yeah. I don't know why I thought that. Oh, because logo. That's what got me. They got a new logo this huh. year, just like the Dolphins. So that's why I'm off on when – Coaches started. Um, okay, so is Frazier back? Tough call. I think uh, he's probably going to go. Depends on the candidates available. But I mean, I just I haven't seen anything out of Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota needs a total reboot on um, under center. They really do. Um, and on defense, because Jared Allen's probably gone there, so they're going to have to rebuild their ability to pass rush. Uh, their secondary is a dumpster fire. So I think that it would, they'd be better off. I mean, they they have nothing tying him to Minnesota right now. It's not like they brought in some successful quarterback. Yeah. 
So I'd say probably gone, but not a lock. Okay. Uh, Saints-Panthers, obviously, are both keeping theirs. Uh, Buccaneers. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, man. It's a tough one. He should go, but, I mean, they've they've won games. The pa- I mean, kind of like Jacksonville, they've won games the past six weeks to the point where they you have. think, well, well are, we, are we ready to commit? Shiano's a tough one. I mean, I don't know. Well, in my opinion, that's one of those you look at and you say, is this team moving forward in a positive direction? You know, yeah, they're not a good team, but they, they're winning games. Uh, in my opinion, I think he gets fired because this is a team, I mean, they brought in Revis. This is a team they rebuilt that they thought, hey, we can win. We can be competitive this year, and they've been terrible. And, you know, yeah, they've won a few games, but, I mean, the Houston Texans have won a few games. I mean, they, it's not, you know, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see them bringing that, bringing him back just because I mean, yeah, I mean the players say they might be playing hard for him and stuff now after some reports that, you know, they could be losing the locker room. I, I just think he's been a, you know, a failure. Plus, you know, if there's college openings as well, that may be something that would entice Shiano to go back into college too. So. It could be one of those mutual things like maybe he doesn't get fired, right. he leaves. But I, I, just, I think he's not there next year. Okay, I just haven't Atlanta. seen Atlanta. Oh, um, Mike Smith. He's got a I, – I mean, you have to look at right now this year as an outlier. So I think he probably stays unless something really weird happens. That's you take my thought, too, right? If, if they come back next year and don't look any better, then obviously he's gone. But – He's done enough with that team to keep keep the job for one through one bad year. Uh, Seattle, San Francisco, Arizona probably keeping theirs at nine and five. Oh, Arians is definitely staying there. Okay, did he start this year? Yes. Or did he start last year? Yeah, he started this year. No. Last year was, he was in, uh, he, he was uh, interim coach Indy. in Indy last year. Yeah, and then St. Louis. Um, St. Louis is showing strides too. That defense is really starting to come together, and they have another slew of um, high picks coming. So I, mean, I don't, I don't know why you would change horses in midstream, <laughs> including, including possibly Washington's number one overall. Yeah, <laughs> which is just like it's like fun money for them. I mean, like, like I mean, it's absolutely like that team in terms of picks is just playing with house money right now. It's okay, unbelievable, so but. And I think what you're looking at there is what they, Fisher's just is just his second year there. He's right. got you know a long history, so I don't think he's a guy. You know, he's not like a, um, you know, like a Jason Garrett or somebody who just was unproven when they got the job. You know, so they they brought him in there for some for some coaching stability. So I don't think they're going to just get rid of him after two years. Plus, you have the whole Sam Bradford deal, and you know, something I read this week is basically like you have people that think he's going to be a bust. Yeah, people think he's going to be a, a good starter, but nobody thinks he's a superstar. And I think that they're going to move on from him in the Jeff era or Jeff Fisher era. Be defined by whoever they pick quarterback this year. So I, agree. I think Sam, I think Sam Bradford's that, out this year. I think they can say that him. was actually my next question. Was is Bradford done? He's oh, gone. He, I mean, he can't. He, he, he's never been able to stay healthy since college. I mean, he's never. I think he played like one or two full seasons in the pros, maybe. Um, 
you know, he he just doesn't seem to be he doesn't seem to be what you'd expect from a number one overall pick. And so I think they're going to move on from him and his you know ginormous cap number and look to this year's draft to pick up a guy. And because they have those high draft picks. Depending on what, you know, let's assume the draft order stays the same and Houston's picking first right now. You know, I mean, they could take they could take a quarterback. They could take, you know, a pass rusher like Clowney. So, um, and, you know, a lot of people are thinking that if, if Bridgewater goes number one overall, that St. Louis doesn't really want to pick Clowney because they already have, you know, two good pass rushers. And so that they'll trade out and just pick up more picks. So I think they get a quarterback this year. And um, you know they'll go they'll go with Fisher from there. So if, you know, I think he's got at least a couple more years. Okay, so looking at our list, Texans obviously already done. Jets, Tennessee, Cowboys, Redskins, Detroit. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six guarantees with Oakland, Giants, Minnesota, and Tampa Bay all pop. Possible. There we go. That's what I'm I want. think. Detroit's a possible one too. I think that the playoffs are the only thing that saves Schwartz. Yeah, that's true. If, if they make the playoffs, he's back in. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. That's conditional. And then the thing on Bradford is that Fisher and Les Snead have no loyalty to Bradford whatsoever. They didn't draft him. So I mean, no. they and they got a high pick in a, what looks to be a, a decent quarterback draft. So I mean, it. I think it would be rather ignorant on St. Louis's part to to move on from Fisher right now. If anything, he's finally in a position where he can get his guy at quarterback. So, okay, um, turning it back to we have we have about five minutes left before I have to shut off the show because we're going to run out of time. So, uh, real quick, do the Dolphins re-sign uh, Dustin Keller next year? Just picked out questions through the live thread and don't know who it was, didn't attribute him, just wrote him down. So just going through some of the questions from the live thread. Depends how the rehabilitation goes. But, I mean, I as long as it's a reasonable deal, it doesn't cost a lot of money. I mean, it's going to be another show-me contract, but he's going to get that wherever he goes. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, um, they've got talented guys at tight end. So, I mean, but it might be in – if you're the Dolphins and you're looking for depth, I don't know if you could do better depth than Dustin Keller. So I mean, why not? Well, I think Keller and Clay. I read this week that um, they were talking about Charles Clay, and I believe Mike Sherman said we viewed him as a starter even with Keller. So they had a plan in place for Charles Clay this year anyway. I think the Keller injury caused him to afforded him the the opportunity to step up more, and so I think that they could actually. I, I don't. Think his emergence precludes them, you know, from signing Keller. I think they can bring Keller back and kind of have a one-two punch, and then right. basically it'll be like a one-year deal, and then they'll continue to develop guys like Agnew and Sims, and you know, see what they bring to the table as far as receivers. And you know, if they develop more, then you you know you have you can get rid of uh, Keller if you need to. If they don't. I, they may look for a, a new tight end in, in, in the draft after that, but it gives you a, a nice one-two punch. I mean, it, it's never a bad idea to have uh, a second, you know, underneath weapon for 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 Tannehill. So, I like that. Okay. Um, next question. 
looking at the free agent market this year, who would be your number one target if you were the Dolphins to sign? Not not Dolphins players to re-sign, somebody out there to sign. Oh, man. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm, this wouldn't be my first answer, but the, the guy that jumps off the bat for me, depending on what happens, I guess, Brandon Albert, I'd rather draft than develop offensive tackles from within, but I suppose he'll be a target. Um, I, I don't have the the root. Some of, I I would look at some uh, other positions too, but that that's the one that jumps out at me. I can't really think of any free agents I want to pursue right now. I think it depends on. I, there's going to be some people that are cut, you know, kind of like the Bradford situation. So there are going to be some names that aren't free agents now, but maybe uh, bigger commodities right. when when they when the market actually gets there, but. Of the guys that we know would be free agents, uh, I think Jarius Bird was mentioned on the site. Yeah, I, I think that's, I that's a, a good pick, but he's going to cost a lot of money, and we're going to type a lot yeah. of money, I think, re-signing guys like Grimes and some of our, our own free agents. So I don't know that we're going to necessarily allocate money for him. When he's a lot better than Clemens as a deep free safety, but Clemens is not a bad deep free safety. I mean, Bird's going to get you some yep. interceptions, but we've shown this year that our corners have a knack for that. Um, we're the only team in the NFL that has had a, a turnover in every game this year. Um, so it, it's not, you know, I don't think that's the issue. I think Clemens is doing okay, and you can have Clemens at a, a much cheaper price. So, you know, it's what Bird's going to give you versus what he costs is worth, you know, the difference there. So I don't I don't know. The, the free agent that sticks out to me um, would be, I'm going to, this is not really necessarily a big name, but I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing them go after Ben Tate just because, you know, we need help at running back position. He's probably going to be uh, – he's probably going to have a pretty good price tag, and uh, he fits the, the, the running scheme that we like to run. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing them go after him. I'll give you two bears to uh, keep in mind. that It would be fringe guys, but it would be interesting, depending on what the bears do, obviously. Charles Tillman – will be a free agent, and Devin Hester will be a free agent. So just two names to throw out there because, obviously, I mean, Big Ten's doing okay. He's getting better at kick returns right now, but Hester, at least you could put him there. I, I don't know how much he would demand on the free, on the free agent market, but, um, okay, we've got about two minutes left. So, well, let me, let me throw one more name out there. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think we need another wide receiver. But Jeremy Macklin coming out is coming off the end of his rookie deal. Uh, has a knee injury. Yep. If he's healthy, I think he's going to be signed with the Eagles. But he may want to test the free agent market. Like I said, can't hurt to give Tannehill more weapons. You pay okay, him up uh, with Wallace, start line. Yeah. Dolphins free agent to re-sign, not named Grimes. Also, yeah. Hello. That was kind of I'm weird. Now it cut off. It cut off for a second. Uh, it's got to be yeah. Paul Soli. Soli, I overstarts any day. <laughs> that was a weird producer cut in thing, even though it wasn't James cutting in. But okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't do anything yet. Yeah, I know. But 
obviously we're just about out of time. Um, I have about 45 seconds left before we're cut off. So, guys, thank you very much for joining the show. Uh, Keith, I know that you were rushing home to try to get in, so thank you very much for doing that. Uh, Dalton Fan for Life, thank you for calling in tonight. We'll be back next week. Enjoy this penultimate week of football, and there's my word that I told you I was going to use later. Uh, It's the penultimate week of football this season, for the regular season at least, and hopefully it's not the penultimate game for the Dolphins. Uh, Go Dolphins, see the Bills or the uh, Ravens and the Bengals lose, and then the Dolphins are in the postseason. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and have a good night. Good night. Good night. Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Offer ends 8-16-18 after 131-2020. Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay. One Hulu limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint account. MHS reduced to 3G speed after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. Subject to credit and three activation fee. Video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Offer ends 8-16-18 after 131-2020. Pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a pay. One Hulu limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint account. MHS reduced to 3G speed after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. Subject to credit and three activation fee. Video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week, I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Karis Fisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.